welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Huffington Post ran an article entitled, Nine Scientifically Backed Ways to Stop Worrying. One of the things the article mentioned was that worry can become a cycle of self-perpetuating negative thoughts. The University of Surrey researchers, they described worry as a chain of thoughts and images that are effectively negative and relatively uncontrollable. Well, so what's the best way to stop the cycle? Well, according to the article, here are a few. Number one, set aside a designated worry time. So instead of worrying all day, every day, designate a 30-minute period of time where you think about your problems. Number two, kick your online addiction. All of the time we spend, you know, perusing Facebook isn't good for our mental health. It doesn't do us any favors. A recent study from Anxiety UK showed that nearly half of people worried or un were uncomfortable being away from email or Facebook. Number three, keep your hands busy. Engaging in activities that keep your hands busy and your mind distracted could help prevent flashbacks from traumatic experiences. According to research from the Medical Research Council in England, number four, take time for meditation or time for prayer. Take some time to pause, meditate, pray. This can really help anxiety in your brain. Even the brain scans say so. Now, worry is something that, sadly, we are all familiar with. Well, some 3,000 years ago, a man by the name of David wrote one sentence that should forever be a roadblock on that road to worry. This sentence is part of a song in the longest book in the Bible. It's only 118 words in English, but it makes up perhaps the most familiar 118 words in the hundreds of thousands of words that are found in the Bible. You see, today we begin a series of programs on the 23rd Psalm. Reading this Psalm, it brings healing for the hurting, hope for the hopeless, help for the helpless, encouragement for the discouraged, and strength for the weak. I want to remind you that every passage of Scripture has a key to its understanding. And in the 23rd Psalm, David has hung that key right on the front door. Verse 1 is not only the first verse in this psalm, it is the foundational verse. And everything else he has to say follows from the truth found in this first verse. The 23rd Psalm, verse 1, we read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, in this verse, David gives us three reasons why faith 
ought to be in and fear ought to be out. Why we should spend our time worshiping rather than worrying. Number one, the shepherd is permanently responsible for the sheep. Now, this entire psalm is based on the imagery of the Lord being a shepherd and we the people being sheep. So we read, the Lord is my shepherd. The analogy of the relationship of God to his people being a shepherd to the sheep, well, it's found in other parts of scripture. For example, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 11 he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Or, or in the 100th Psalm, and this time the third verse, know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Now, some might be offended that we are compared to sheep. Yet, I want us to focus on the fact that God is compared to a shepherd. That is a great encouragement because being a shepherd, that's a 24-hour-a-day job. The shepherd, well, he's totally responsible for the sheep because those sheep, well, they depend entirely on the shepherd for everything. The sheep depend on the shepherd for food, for water, for shelter, for safety. I mean, being a shepherd, that's an around-the-clock job. Now, notice that this shepherd is the Lord Jehovah. The actual Hebrew name is Yahweh. The name was so sacred to the Hebrew people that whenever they were reading their Bible publicly, they would always substitute another name for this name. Only one person could say this name out loud, and that was the high priest. And then he could only say it in one place, in the holy of most of the holies. Then he could only say it once a year, and that was on the Day of Atonement. This God, the sovereign God of the universe, who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, He is our shepherd. Now, the reason that truth is so magnificent is this. The welfare of the sheep is the work of the shepherd. The sheep are not responsible to meet their needs. Well, that's the responsibility of the shepherd. Think about it. God has made himself responsible to meet our needs. He has everything. He is everywhere. He can do anything. And therefore, any need we have, he's guaranteed to meet it. But this shepherd, this is no ordinary shepherd. The word Lord speaks of deity, but the word shepherd speaks of humanity. The one David wrote about is both a sovereign and a shepherd. He is both divine and human. He is both God 
and man. Does that remind you of anyone? Well, this shepherd is none other than the God-man, Jesus Christ. That's why in John chapter 10, he is called the good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, he is called the great shepherd. In 1 Peter 5, he is called the chief shepherd. Therefore, when Jesus becomes our savior, Jehovah becomes our shepherd. And when Jehovah becomes our shepherd, he becomes responsible to meet all of our needs. Really? That's all we need to know the next time we are tempted to worry because he is responsible to meet our needs. Point number two, the shepherd is powerfully responsive to the sheep. You see, the name that is used here for God is Jehovah Raha, which means literally the Lord my shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? Well, he guides the sheep to shelter. He guards the sheep from danger. He gives sheep their food. In other words, he meets all of their needs. That's why David goes on to say, I shall not want. Now, the Hebrew word here for want literally means lack. Look at the 34th Psalm and verse 10. The young lions do not lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The 37th Psalm, verse 25 says, I was young and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous left all alone, have never seen their children begging for bread. Now, <clears throat> there is what we could call a New Testament counterpart to Psalm 23, verse 1, and that's found in Philippians chapter 4, and verse 19. Again, another very familiar verse. Here's what it says. My God will meet every need out of his riches in the glory that is found in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people misunderstand that verse. It doesn't say that he will meet all of our greed. It says he will meet all of our need. Now, now, you think about that. If you knew that for the rest of your life, all of your needs were going to be met, why would you worry? Well, the obvious answer is, well, no, you wouldn't. Yet, we worry every day. Why? Well, think about this. There is only one way all of your needs are not going to be met. And that is, if God lies. So do you see what worry does? Worry, then, calls God a liar. When God says, I will meet all of your needs, when God says, if I am your shepherd, you will not lack one thing, well, then there is no need to worry. 
Stephen Ambrose wrote a magnificent book entitled Undaunted Courage. It's the story of the Lewis and Clark expedition that opened up the American West. Thomas Jefferson realized that when Lewis and Clark reached the Pacific Ocean, well, they would probably be without money, clothes, or provisions. And so to deal with that situation, Thomas Jefferson did something never before done in the history of the United States and never done since. He provided a letter of credit for Lewis authorizing him to draw on any agency of the U.S. government anywhere in the world for anything he needed. Here's what he wrote in that letter that he gave him. I also ask of the consuls, agents, merchants, and citizens of any nation to furnish you with those supplies which your necessities may call for and to give more entire satisfaction and confidence to those who may be disposed to aid you. I, Thomas Jefferson, President of the United States of America, have written this letter of general credit for you with my own hand and signed it with my name. You see, this letter will go down in history as the most unlimited letter of credit ever issued by an American president. Well, that's exactly what God does for his people. He has given us over 7,000 promises in his word, promising that whenever we come up against a real need in our life, God will meet that need. Here's the third point. The shepherd is personally related to the sheep. Now, there's one little word in this verse that makes the entire passage operable for you and me. In fact, it's probably the most powerful word in this psalm. It's certainly the sweetest word, and perhaps that's the word my. If you can't say my, well, this psalm is not for you. You see, you may know God as a shepherd. You may even believe God is a shepherd. But the question is this. Can you say the Lord is my shepherd? There was a gathering in London years ago, a group of people, they were having a party. And in that party was a noted actor and a very old gospel preacher. Someone suggested that the gifted actor recite the 23rd Psalm. Well, the actor with a beautiful voice, perfect articulation, and great drama recited the psalm. When he finished... Well, the crowd exploded with applause. Someone then asked that the old preacher also recite the psalm. Well, the pastor was very embarrassed to try to follow what this gifted actor had just done. But he finally yielded to the pressure, and he had very little, little of this actor's elocution, certainly none of his dramatic flair, and as he began to recite that psalm, it was obvious he wasn't talking from his head. He was talking from his heart. 
When he finished, no one clapped, but there was not a dry eye in the house. The actor then got up and made this statement. He said, my friends, I appreciate your applause, but there was one big difference between me and this dear man. I know the psalm. He, well, he knows the shepherd. You see, an amazing thing happens in your relationship to God when you come to know him as your shepherd. When you say, my shepherd, then he says, my sheep. Saying, my shepherd, is the supreme act of faith. But when he says, my sheep, well, that, that's the supreme act of grace. And there's only one way to know that the Lord is your shepherd, and that is to make sure that the shepherd, well, that he's your Lord. You see, you and I, we can have a personal relationship with God as your shepherd. Now, to me, you see, all sheep look the same. But did you know that they don't look the same to the shepherd? You know, I was reading about this, and it said how a good shepherd can locate one sheep out of a flock of 2,500 in less than five minutes. By the way, the sheep holds its head, by the way he bleats, by the way he walks. It says that the shepherd can even look at the ground where they have been laying down and tell by the condition of the grass or by the droppings they leave behind or by the drops of blood or even by one look in their eyes if they're sick. You see, the shepherd has a personal relationship with every sheep. Now, this shepherd, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. But understand clearly, the Lord cannot become your shepherd until the shepherd becomes your Lord. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord, then he's not your shepherd either. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the beautiful thing about this shepherd is that he doesn't just give you everything we need. He is everything we need. If you're hungry, he's the bread of life. If you're thirsty, he's the living water. If you're in the dark, he is the light of the world. If you're lost, he is the way. If you need it, he has it. And if he doesn't have it, then you don't need it. But that raises a question. Then how do you make the Lord your shepherd? It's simple. First of all, you must acknowledge him as your shepherd. You must see, before the Lord becomes your shepherd, you've got to acknowledge you need one. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 and in verse 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Now secondly, we must accept him. That is, you must accept him for who he is both as king 
and as Lord, as sovereign, and as the shepherd. Then you must acclaim him. You must follow him totally and completely, just as the sheep follow the shepherd, so we must follow him. There's a story about a little boy who was desperately ill. The doctors had told the parents they had done everything they could for this little boy, and they sent him home to die. The parents called their pastor and asked if he would come over. He came over late that night to visit that child who was in and out of consciousness. He was unable to speak, never even acknowledged that the pastor was there. The pastor was alone in that child's room upstairs and left late that night. He got a call early the next morning that the boy had died. He went over to the house to console the parents and, and he prayed with them and wept with them and read scripture to them. After a while, the parents asked this pastor if he could explain something that had happened. They said, in the hours before our son died and at the time of his death, he was holding the ring finger on his left hand with his right hand. And he died in that position. Do you know why? Well, the pastor with a broad smile on his face said, well, I wanted to talk to your son who I knew was going to die about the importance of being a Christian and knowing Jesus. But I wanted to speak to him in a child's language so he could clearly understand it. He said, so I took your son's left hand and, and I held your, his, his thumb and said, the, because we're talking about one of a kind. Then I held his index finger and said, Lord, because the Lord cares for us. He said, then I held the middle finger and I said, is because God himself is right here, he said. And for, and for his ring finger, I said, my, because it takes a personal relationship with Christ to go to heaven. He said, for the last finger, I said, shepherd, for he is the one who died for us, who cares for us, and his name is Jesus. He looked at the parents and said, your little boy didn't say anything, but he heard me. Because he died, the reason he had his hand around that ring finger was to say, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, you watching me, you can too say, the Lord is my shepherd. No need to worry, no need to fear, for the shepherd, he is everything you and I will ever need. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, how comforting is it to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Father, I just pray that within the reach of my voice today, there are those calling out to you to become Lord and shepherd in their lives. 
please draw near to them at this very precious moment. Thank you for your love and your mercy upon us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program when we have our special offer for our viewers. Isn't it wonderful to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, and that that shepherd will provide for all of our needs. Well, today's book is entitled, The Only Hope. You know what? Not only is he the only shepherd, he is the only hope for you and I and for this world. It's a gift from us. There is no obligation on your part whatsoever. It will arrive in the mail, postage paid. If you'd like to receive this book, then pay attention to the information you're about to hear. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you so much for joining us. And if I could ask a favor of you, let your friends and family know when we're on your area, what time, what channel, so that they too can begin watching. And if you happen to have family or friends that live outside of our broadcast area, you can refer them then to our website, l4ltv.com, because on the website, you have access to all of the programs we have ever shown. They can be watched at your convenience in the comfort of your own home or on your phone. On the website, besides the previous programs, we have live appearances. So check that out and you'll see when I might be in your area and why not come out and meet me. And uh, I'd love to get a chance to meet you and just shake your hand. Remember to follow me on Instagram. Every morning, a one-minute devotional video gets out, and it's a great way to start your day. That is on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. You can follow me on Twitter. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, so every time a new program is added, you will be notified. If you're interested in joining us in overseas mission work, go to our missionnowcanada.com website, which shows you when and where will be our next overseas mission trip. We are rapidly running out of time. And so I wanna make sure that I have set aside enough time to thank you for watching and letting others know of our program. 
And I hope we get the opportunity to do this here again real soon. God bless you. I'll see you back here then.